Yamkela, do we have you on the line? Yes, I am here. Hey, Gunjan, Gunjan, my brother. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. Yamgela uh, Spengana Technology Researcher joining us uh, on the line. And Yamgela, uh, I want us to start off here with this, uh, you know, uh, I guess war of uh, attrition or war of position uh, or just a, a squabble uh, between Telcom and Ikasa. Now, uh, Telcom coming out earlier on in the week saying um, effectively what Ikasa has done uh, in the announcement of emergen- emergency spectrum allocations is to take spectrum from them uh, in the 2.3 gigahertz band, and uh, you, you're more of a scientist than many of us, uh, and you would certainly know what all of that means. Uh, so, so maybe let's start off there, Yamkela. Um, uh, that's what Telcom said on Monday, and Ikasa has, uh, over the last uh, uh, two days or so, managed to respond to that. What has their response been? So Ikasa has accused uh, Telcom uh, of, of spreading allegations without basis. Uh, in that uh, they are saying that that spectrum has been allocated for so that fixed line operators uh, or fixed wireless operators as well as mobile operators are going to coexist under the emergency uh, spectrum allocation that has been extended to the existing uh, mobile network providers and other broadband providers so that we can be able to handle uh, the sudden spike in traffic as a result of everyone having to telecommute uh, because of the COVID-19 lockdown. So there's this uh, tug of war that is existing between the regulator and telecom, uh, which, in my opinion, should have been sorted without involving the public because uh, these are two supposedly government institutions that should have been de- dealing with matters uh, of allocation behind closed doors. But here we are. It's not the kind of squabble you want. I mean, the, the, as you say, as you rightly say, I mean, these are two state entities critical uh, to uh, the uh, fourth industrial revolution, but also to all of the developmental aspirations uh, uh, in that particular context uh, for South Africa. And uh, if there's a squabble now and a war of words uh, between these two, um, you surely would have expected it maybe with some of the other private operators. But, uh, I mean, the other question, Yamkela, which I think might be helpful here, we got a tweet uh, earlier on in the week from uh, one of our listeners who said, hey, man, spectrum, spectrum. Uh, spectrum. Uh, what is it? Uh, can you maybe help us here with a, with a very, I guess, uh, uh, elementary and uh, accessible explanation of what spectrum is, what role it plays in all of our co- connectivity? All I could say was, you know, it was waves. And then, you know, the person responded and said, hi, man, you know, how can, how can someone own Amaza or something like that? So I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you can help us there, Angel. Okay, let me let me start there actually. So, science uh, or the universe as we know it provides us what, with what you call the electromagnetic spectrum. The electromagnetic spectrum is how waves of light. Uh, this is not visible light. So, waves of light, uh, as we know, photons. We might call it photons in science. Uh, are moving from atoms uh, and through the medium of space. Uh, the smallest spectrum. On, the, on what we call the blue end or the violet end is what we call gamma rays. And then the longer spectrum is what we call radio waves. So the difference here is the difference, is the, like uh, the distance between two consecutive troughs or two to- consecutive peaks of a wave. You've seen it, it, it has a sinoidal shape. So it, it, it's waves that keep on going in troughs and peaks, troughs and peaks. So what happens is that for us to communicate, we tap into a channel of spectrum, whether it's radio waves or microwaves mm. that are long, and then we are able to transfer packets of communication or data using these spectrums. 
aspect. So television, uh, radio, as we, me and you are, are communicating and you are broadcasting to the whole nation, and even broadband is carried out on these uh, electromagnetic waves sure. that are carried out. Even visible light that we see yeah. is, is, is waves, but we, we, we mostly use the spectrum in the microwave uh, and in the, in the radio wave band of the electromagnetic mm. spectrum. So what then happens is that you can't put every, everyone on the same. So there's allocations in a specific band. It just means the frequency. Now, the frequency also speaks to the distance between troughs. So in this frequency that you have, uh, you then uh, allocate to people to say, you can use this band and this band uh, of the spectrum uh, from, this, uh, from this point to this point, and the other one will use from this point to this point. So how is that, you know, how that is good is that uh, we, get, we get to test which band is good for which technology. For instance, you will have heard that we are moving uh, to free the spectrum, so we are going digital. Mm. So we are moving from analog to digital. Simply means that we can compress some of the some of the air airing of television and and paid TV and so forth into smaller bands of spectrum, so that we can free more of the spectrum for broad for broadband connectivity. Mm. Which means that more companies can get allocated to to have their 4G and their 5G uh, and so forth in different waves of the spectrum. Now, telecom has this access uh, because it, it, it was a state-owned entity fully at mm. one point, so it could buy or get allocated spectrum in advance. So Ikata has come and said, okay, uh, maybe you're not using this currently, so let's, uh, in, in this interim, six-month arrangement that we have. Let's put out the spectrum so that everyone can use it so that we can be able to then uh, reduce the pressure that exists currently because of the spike we've seen in the usage of broadband spectrum. Mm. It's interesting, Amgela, that you mentioned it in that way and uh, the issues of reallocation because the big fight at the center of this thing is uh, Telcom's uh, uh, assertion that you know, ICASA has effectively reallocated or appropriated spectrum that had already been allocated to them. Uh, this implies that, you know, the spectrum thing isn't an infinite resource, that it's a, it's a finite resource, much like uh, the minerals we would have and maybe even, I guess, the, the uh, geographical territory and land that we have. Not that it's infinite, but useful spectrum runs out as you keep on piling it with broadband usage. That so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm. it, it, so you, 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 cannot, you cannot infinitely carry uh, connectivity or communications on one band of spectrum. So, what we've allocated, for instance, to, to GSM, which was the, the, the first generation, uh, and then we had uh, HSDP, uh, HSDPA and HSUPA, we had LTE, so forth. So, all of these things uh, were allocated spectrum but we keep supporting them. So to, to be able to still use further technologies, uh, 6G, 7G, what will happen is that we will decommission some of the unused, you know, first-generation communications, maybe voice, because our spectrum is, was tailored to use for voice. But now we are moving to voice as part of data, because you can have a WhatsApp call that does not need 
GSM uh, communication. It can it can be voice over uh, LTE or voice over 5G. So as we decommission some of the older technologies, we are able to free up more spectrum as we move to digital uh, communications in our radio and television space. We are able to free up more spectrum, mm. but it's not something that you can perpetually and infinitely use without freeing up because the band. It's about uh, congestion of the communication. You can only carry so much data uh, in a specific band. After that, you have what we call network congestion, hence the emergency intervention by ICASA to allocate more spectrum so that the congestion can be eased off into other bands of the electromagnetic Mm. spectrum. But I have always argued that you cannot have companies owning spectrum to begin with. It can be a rented uh, thing that we can give right to, like a license. Just like we do with the mines, yeah. And precisely, Ayabonga, where you give people license, they cannot perpetually own uh, this spectrum on their own. Okay, Yamgela, let's do this, uh, because it seems that uh, the electromagnetic waves, the gamma rays, so let's do this. Uh, Let's pause here for a second and uh, try and re-establish you on a better line. And in the interim, we'll take a brief break and uh, we'll continue with Yamgela Spengani on the other side of this. SABC3 invites you to tune in on Monday and Tuesday evenings at 9.30pm for the miniseries Mother, Father, Son. The psycho-thriller is set within systems of power in politics, media and the police. All the drama revolves around a family that is pulled together under catastrophic circumstances starring Richard Gere. Remember, Mondays and and Tuesdays at 9.30pm only on SABC3. The stage is yours. I hope we have you on a much better line there, Yamkela, and the electromagnetic waves, Seven Sun and Nati. I do hope that yeah, uh, yeah, we have alignment. Sounds much, 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 much better. You were still saying that uh, in your considered view, you don't think that uh, Spectrum should be something that you auction off and that should become the private property of a certain interest because uh, I guess it's, uh, it's a national asset and uh, ought to be licensed much like we do with our minds. Uh, precisely, Ayabonga. So if we have it licensed, uh, there can be terms and conditions as to how you use the spectrum. Because now, spectrum, if you speak to people in the military intelligence space, we do know that spectrum can be used as a weapon. It can be weaponized. So what do you have of the event where you sell spectrum to a foreign company and then they weaponize it against you uh, with a foreign intelligence agency or a foreign military uh, group or whatever the case might be? So it's not just about communication. The the, the applications, the uses uh, are so broad that it has in in the age of of what we call the fourth industrial revolution – it can be used as a weapon of war. Mm. It can be hijacked. Uh, it can be used to 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 mess up communications in the country. Signal jamming it can be used to hijack things like power stations. Can be it can, it can be used for, for for very nefarious purposes. So how we regulate spectrum as a national mm. asset is very important. To say that you cannot say someone uh, is is buying spectrum and then it becomes their property. They can do whatever they want with it. But it's about putting regulation to say 
this spectrum has to be uh, licensed and then you have to meet the terms of this license if you at any point are using this spectrum outside of your given regulations then it can be revoked mm. uh, and, and then used uh, in a, or, or allocated to someone who can use it within the terms that we have determined are good yeah, for us yeah. and will prosper us as a nation. Aish, it seems that the terrain of warfare is uh, going to be this kind of thing. Um, you know, in the phase that we find ourselves in, you think about the squabbles and the fights over 5G uh, and uh, some of the, uh, you know, signal jamming that you speak about there and even, you know, interventions that crash an entire grid in some cases. I mean, we've heard of countries where, you know, they come in and they hack your grid. No, precisely. There's actually been a hack here. Precisely. That's where, because we are so connected, this connectivity of things means we are so dependent on the optimal functioning of of the electromagnetic spectrum. One hack, uh, one bug, uh, and everything can collapse. You know, if if they hijack your grid, I mean, people in hospitals who are on life-saving equipment uh, suddenly don't have power backing them up. Generators might come on, but for how long is that mm. sustainable? And stuff like that. So the nation would be put in serious jeopardy, uh, for instance, if we had a hack like that. And we need to understand that warfare is becoming more and more uh, in the cyberspace than it will be about guns. It's about who's leading in the technology of the day and how can they use it to manipulate agendas to their direction uh, more than it is about going to the battlefield. That's where we are looking at warfare going in the next 50, 100 years. Yeah. Then, Yamkela, I mean, I, I guess the, the, there's then the other dimension um, to, to this entire debate, which is uh, some of the obligations. And maybe, maybe let's pause on that because uh, I think it can open an entire other can of worms and maybe we can discuss it at another point. I want to come to uh, the other story I want us to talk about, and that's the story of Amazon and launching a data center here in South Africa and uh, 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 launching some of their operations here. And maybe the first question is what's in it for an Amazon to come and locate their uh, data centers here and many other entities that have uh, done the same. I know uh, out in Isando uh, in the east of the Joburg City region, a lot of data centers have been set up there as well. Uh, what are these centers and more importantly, what, what are some of the things that they do? So basically with the world moving to cloud computing, uh, as you will know, uh, what we have now with people telecommuting, they're using Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and all these online applications, uh, Facebook, you name it, they run on cloud computing. Uh, so what happens is that we, these companies have demands in various parts of the world, and if they establish that there's a high demand uh, for, the, for, for, for their infrastructure in a place like South Africa, then what they normally do is that they will invest in a data center to, to lessen the latency connecting across the seas to a data center in the Americas or a data center in Singapore or wherever else. So a few companies over the last three to four years have invested uh, in building data centers. I'm talking about the the, the big cloud guys. So Mm. Microsoft launched its data center last year. Huawei Cloud has two data centers in the country already. Uh, And Amazon has been saying that they are going to open a data center in South Africa and bring some of the services. Uh, Mainly, uh, as we also as a country are transitioning to things like e-government, where a lot of the things that we do in the public sector are 
are going to move online. These companies are, are coming in, uh, looking to find the lucrative contracts that are going to be coming out of that as well. So it's, it's, it's something that we see globally. I mean, Amazon and Microsoft are, are deep within the American state, American military in mm. terms of uh, how they've, they, they, they've provided cloud services. And it's a, it's a growing business for them. Amazon is, 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 is the biggest uh, cloud provider, followed closely on the heels by, by, by Microsoft in recent times. So they are investing in having their facilities across the world so that they can create a cross-global a cross global not network that can enable them to be the go-to provider. But also what it speaks to is that some of our policies and many other countries and, and, and even the European Union with their GDPR is that uh, there's something that we call data sovereignty. Mm. So people, uh, there are laws that say you cannot keep uh, data in other jurisdictions uh, for instance, storage and whatnot for even banks as they are moving into cloud computing. Sure. Uh, there, there are things that they cannot keep in Europe because mm-hmm. there are policies that say that the data must be stored within sure. our sovereign jurisdiction. So these companies then understand that if they are going to bag government and they are going to bag big uh, companies as clients that uh, follow certain data mm-hmm. policies and laws, they need to have their data centers locally so that this data sure. can still be within the sovereign jurisdiction of okay. South Africa while they capitalize on the cloud. Yamgela, let's leave it there, my brother, and uh, thank you very much for that explanation. And uh, maybe our next conversation ought to be about data sovereignty and uh, how we uh, monetize uh, the impact of the data we produce here. The Minister of Employment and Labor, Mr. Tulas Nlesi, calls on all employers uh, who are uh, registered with the Unemployment Insurance Fund to apply for the COVID-19 Benefit Temporary Employer Employee Relief Scheme on behalf of their employees. The UIF is working around the clock to meet the extraordinary volumes of requests for assistance presented by the COVID-19 pandemic. Employers are encouraged to take advantage of this benefit scheme to access income support during this difficult period. To date, the UIF has received just over 55,000 applications from employers representing about 1.6 million employees. Employers can apply via www.ufiling.co.za or contact the UIF on 0800-030-007. Department of Employment and Labor, working for you. 24 minutes it is after 8 p.m. now. Hey, Lendo, your coronavirus is quite interesting because uh, there's big debates now about some of the disclosures of...